Welcome back to the Divorce Solutions Podcast, everybody. I'm Jamie West, along with Tracy Miller. Uh, we call her the lawyer in residence uh, here at Divorce <laughs> Solutions. Uh, good to have you back, Tracy. I feel like I get a different title every time we do this. Well, I'm trying as we yeah. go along in each episode to come up with something new, but it's it's hard for me to do that because I, I want to <laughs> just call you a lawyer extraordinaire every time because that's really what you are. And I don't want that to go to your head because you know how no. you lawyers are. No, well, yeah, the popular <laughs> conception, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Exactly. If you, if you believe the rhetoric and you watch all of those lawyer shows oh, on TV, <laughs> yeah. how... Now, just for a second, just for fun, before we get into the topic of the day, which is decision-making in family law, we'll talk about that. How close to reality are is the way lawyers are portrayed on television? Well, I have to say, as a general rule, I, I watch very little of it. Um, I have watched some of the, the TV shows about it. But, you know, if you can do a trial that would normally take two weeks and 45 minutes and plus commercials i mean it's it's can be pretty distorted just in terms of time how long stuff takes uh yeah that's a little distorted okay all right uh, i kind of thought you might say that <laughs> <laughs> so moving right along because our, our our listeners are excited to uh hear our new material and and today we're touching on something that's um an interesting term uh, and it can be confusing and the term is decision-making. And, and the term decision-making has replaced uh, what most people know as custody. So talk about that and talk about why that's changed and what decision-making is. Well, I think when they took the word custody, though, to the legislation, I think on a practical level, what it did is, is remove a barrier that people used to really get stuck on. People would get stuck on the word custody and they thought they had to have custody, even though they really weren't quite sure on the ground what it actually would mean. And I mean, custody is two things. It's time and it's decision-making. That's that's what it's made up of on, on its most basic level. So when you separate out decision-making, um, it's something that people still really are really concerned about because if you're separating and you can't get along with your ex and you can't communicate and you think, oh, God, every time I have to decide something about the kids, am I going to have to get into this, this argument with the other person, people can get really worried about it, right? And I think it's, I mean, we were talking about that. I think what people really need to do is try and figure out on a practical level what decisions do you think your major decisions do you think you're going to have for your kids? Because there probably aren't that many of them, right? Yeah, and I think the reason that people are attracted when once they're into family law litigation, we always say on this program, and you know, this program is based in the philosophy that you should be trying to avoid litigation as absolutely as much as possible. That you're. Your beginning point should be, I don't want to go to court. I don't want to get into litigation. I want to resolve my matter uh, amicably as possible through uh, alternative forms of dispute resolution. So let's get that out on the table right now. But people get sort of attached to the idea of custody because custody slash the new word is decision making uh, is a powerful word and people want power when they feel powerless. It's psychology, don't you think? I think so. And I, and I think it's um, when the people are at a point where they just can't uh, communicate with their ex, I mean, they're going to have some issues communicating or they wouldn't be separating. 
you know, I think it's very worrisome when you're talking about your kids and, and how are we going to do this moving forward? So you can get very into a power struggle. But really, when you think about it, when I try and break it down for clients, you're talking about major decisions with your kids when you're talking decision making. You're not talking day to day stuff because whoever has got the kids with them that day is going to make the day to day decisions. But when you look at the major ones, what are you looking at? You're looking at what school they're going to attend. You're looking at where they're going to live. And you may be looking at medical decisions if your child's got special needs or some issues there that, that could be an issue. If you don't, medical decisions are probably going to be in large part made by whoever the doctor is or whoever you're dealing yeah, with. Yeah, your family physician. You yeah, know. and how often are you going to have to deal with that, thank God? I mean, I've got three kids that are in their 20s now, and the number of times you have to ever, I've ever had to deal with that it's pretty few and far between, right? Right, and and I mean maybe uh, you know you might run into a situation where your your child uh, has to go into hospital for something, a broken arm, or uh, you know yeah. I don't know if they still take kids tonsils out, but you know this <laughs> th these kinds of things, and and really there's nothing much to decide. You're, you're not no. going to be sitting there arguing over whether the kid needs a cast put on their arm or their exactly. leg, are you? Exactly. So, so when you think of that, probably in, in most cases that I see, like I said, unless the kid's got some special need, that's probably not going to be an issue that you're really going to deal with much. Quite often, the school is going to be decided by where you live, by the catchment area. So often that's not an issue. And the other major one for people is, is where you're going to live. But if you're uh, planning on moving and you want to move a significant distance away, I very much doubt you're going to unilaterally be able to do that anyway, because it's going to affect absolutely everything. So, but most people these days, that's not even usually a, an issue, right? So right. And quite often people can get really worried about this concept. And when you sit down and talk it through and go, okay, on a day-to-day -day basis, what major decision do you see coming up for your kids? It can, it can completely change the conversation, right? Right. A couple of other categories, absolutely. A couple of other, and usually uh, the, orders that judges write um, sort of anticipate the possibilities of, of those types of things. And they, and they're, they're usually written very specific to those types of things. Like, you know um, you're not allowed to move out of the area unless, you know, both parties consent in writing or there's a, an order that allows for that type of thing. So, you know, judges that write these final, um, uh, court orders and nothing's final in family law, but uh, the right these things called fi final court orders they usually take that into account. There's a couple of other categories that used to fit under the ter term of custody, and I and maybe you can shed some light on whether those are those still exist to any degree under the new regime of decision making. And they were things like religion and um, activities, extracurricular activities. Those are the other two categories. Are they still? you know, in in effect under the new legislation? Well, I think a judge, a, a court absolutely can deal with just about anything dealing with kids because they have a, a, an inherent jurisdiction to protect kids. So if it has anything to do with children, 99% of the time, they're going to be able to deal with it. In terms of religion, I have to say, you know, I can probably count on one hand where that was an issue that was in dispute uh, when you're trying to resolve issues about the kids. Right. And the part about extracurricular activities, again, it's one where, uh, you know, people need to have a conversation, not just who's going to get to decide, but what activities are you talking about? 
or how much is it going to cost? How many kids do you have? Mm -hmm. What activities are you talking about? Get down to specifics in terms of, you know, can you agree on what activities they are going to go in right now? And they're going to stay in those. And then if there's anything in addition to that, then maybe you have to come back to the table to decide it. But again, it's, it, you know what I mean? It's getting down to the practical, uh, the practical facts that you're dealing with. Instead of saying, I want to decide everything, you need, to be, you need to be more realistic than that and take a look at specifically what you're talking about. And a lot of cases with kids, people will look at it with activities and go, okay, my kids are in hockey right now and they're in baseball in the summer. That's it. We can't afford anything else. We're going to say those are the ones we're going to stick with. And if you want to add anything else to that, you got to get my consent because I don't think I can afford it. So quite often those are the hybrids you sort of end up with. Yeah. And, and of all of the categories uh, that we've discussed, I'm guessing based on your experience as a family lawyer, um, that activities could be one of the stickier wickets in, in the whole bunch of them. Would that be true? Because think, that's day-to-day -day life and that's, I can see people arguing about that. Well, I think it's two things, right? I think it's um, A, some activities, like a lot of activities, when you get into rep sports or you get into dance or whatever it is, it can be a lot of time the parents are going to have to devote to it. So I think they have to be on the same page from that perspective. And the other thing is money, right? All of a sudden you're going... Your incomes haven't increased, either one of you, but now you've got two sets of expenses because you've got two households. So I think sometimes where the issues start being a problem is where people look at it and go, okay, we could afford five or $6,000 a year for rep sports when we were together. Now that I've got to run a separate household, we got to be realistic here. I, I don't have the money to do that. I can't do $1,000 weekends for hockey tournaments a half a dozen times a year. So I think that's where the some of the negotiating is. And I, again, a lot of it is people being realistic. When you split, and now you have twice the expenses for two households, but the same at combined income, maybe you're not going to be able to afford everything that you could have afforded if you stayed together. Right. And that's, again, where alternative dispute resolution um, tools come in handy. Because Absolutely. if you're going to get down to, if there's def, uh, you know a true discrepancy in, in philosophy and in financial uh, reality uh, when it comes to kids' activities, then all the more reason to get involved with a, with a mediator uh, of some kind to resolve that. Because if, if you start going down the litigative road and you start oh. uh, filing an application to do a motion on it, well, now the guarantee is that the kids won't have the money, uh, won't have the money uh, in the budget to do things or, or even new things to come along because you'll have blown it all yeah. <laughs> on, well, on your court application. It's true, right? You can do one motion to fight over it and drop $10,000 combined between the two of you. Easily. And you could have paid for your kids' extracurricular activities for the next three years based on what you just blew when you... Um, had a huge fight over it. So I, I find a lot of people really what they need to do is focus in on how much money it is, right? So when you focus in on what your income is after the government takes their chunk, what your net income is going to be, and then you figure out if there's child support payable, where that leaves you, then you need to have a practical discussion about can you put, if you have a couple of kids, can you put them both in elite sports and easily chew up five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 in a year? Right. So I yeah, mean, everybody, I think a lot, lot of people would like their kids to be in whatever activities they want, but in a lot of cases, it's just, it's not happening. 
No. Um, so, so just to, just to recap for, uh, for our listener, you know, decision-making is the new term for what used to be called a custody. And again, why did the system decide that we needed to get rid of the term custody? The other term they got rid of was access. It used to be custody and access. They went hand in hand and, and access is now replaced with parenting time. So, what was what what again was the thinking was it the thinking that the, those two words custody and access were too harsh and too polarizing what what went on there to get us to decision making and parenting time I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you say polarizing i think that um it's people would people would come in and for example would want joint custody they would be adamant they'd walk into my office and they want joint custody well what does that mean well they just know that that's the best alternative but they would have no idea what that meant in terms of time in terms of who is making decisions or any of the practical aspects so i think it did really polarize people and frankly when it used to be quote joint custody that doesn't mean anything in terms of the parenting time, right? I've had cases that were joint custody that were two weeks on, two weeks off. And I've had cases back when those terms were used that were joint custody that was every other weekend. So it just created so much, um, I think with the preconceptions people had, I think it was a really good way to change it, to try and change the focus, right? We're talking about not labels, we're talking about what time the parents are gonna have with their kids and who makes, how the decisions are going to be made. And that's all custody was ever made up of anyway. Right. And and that's leading us into a, a discussion that we'll have on a future edition of the program about assumptions, because the family law from, you know, the, the perspective of, uh, of those that are trying to settle their matters is full of assumptions, that we are full of assumptions. And, and uh, so... We'll cover that on another edition of uh, Divorce Solutions. But for now, how do people get a hold of you, Tracy, if they'd like to connect with you? It's at Miller Law and Mediation. It's on the net or it's Tracy at Miller-Law.ca. All right. And uh, you can always uh, reach me too, uh, West at DivorceCom.ca if you need help with some um, advice on the best way to communicate as you make your way through um, your divorce or separation or your family law matter. I can help you uh, with that. Uh, Tracy, always a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, looking forward to the next one. Uh, take it easy. We'll talk to you soon. Yep. Talk to you next time.